Hey, coming up on the next episode of Unpolished MBA. When you first went to college, you first came from the Bahamas here, what did you think you wanted to do in your career? Like, why did you study broadcast journalism? Because I was supposed to be on TV, Monique. Oh, <laughs> you were going to be okay. I was supposed to be on TV. It's still, you still have aspirations for that? Well, I'm on TV now. It's just on, on digital TV. Yeah, right? that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Monique, it's really weird calling someone else Monique, but... <laughs> Unpolished NBA audience, I want to introduce you to Monique Russell. Monique, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Monique. And yes, I feel the same way calling myself you. <laughs> Beautiful name, by the way. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I see you on LinkedIn. Your whole brand is about being a clear communicator. And your LinkedIn presence is just proof of what that looks like and how it's effective. How did you even decide that LinkedIn was going to be the way to go and get your message out there? That's a great question. I don't think I decided with intention. I came on and I started to, this was like a couple of years ago, and I started to share I like to write, especially my thoughts and share my thoughts. And I read a lot and I listen to people's conversations, but I just needed an outlet to share with the world the things that, you know, I wanted to express. And in sharing, I was approached by a few people on LinkedIn who wanted me to join their communities, their online communities. Mm -hmm. And from joining those online communities, I was exposed to much more about how LinkedIn truly worked because I didn't know. Share, share, right? (laughs) How does LinkedIn truly work? Well, this was in your opinion, you know, your experience. How it truly works is it's a great way to get exposure. It's an extremely effective way to expand your presence, your reach, your business. I can't tell you, Monique, how many opportunities have come through LinkedIn, like just directly, locally internationally, just from LinkedIn. And I thought it was only about just sharing my thoughts. I didn't understand from a business perspective that there was so many different moving parts. So not just the sharing of engaging, relevant, and actionable content, but also having a whole outbound strategy because, you know, you want to be able to be intentional about who you're trying to reach and also making sure that the people who are in your network are people you want to connect with your message and you want to consume their message too. I'm so glad you brought that. It's a couple of things you just said right there that I think is a lot of times overlooked by people who are using LinkedIn. So they use it to build their brand, but not necessarily connecting with the folks or even doing outbound with the folks they do want to do business with. Exactly. It ends up being more of a fraternity, sorority kind of thing where they have this camaraderie with each other. I see a lot of people do that and then not necessarily remember that there's another dynamic 
of connecting with those you want to do business with. Precisely. Exactly. And then even understanding the whole algorithm. I was like, what? <laughs> like, school me, teach me. <laughs> and if you don't know, you just show up and you're posting and you don't even understand that there's a whole system behind the system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that algorithm. So I was just saying to one of my friends from Founder Institute in Palo Alto, he was he's like he made a post, kind of a complaint, a complaining plo- post that, you know, this my my posts aren't getting your reach. I mean, the impressions are like, you know, a third of what they've been. And how is everyone else dealing with this? And I just responded. I'm like, hey. That algorithm changes in all of these social media platforms whenever they feel like it. At some point, if you try to make adjustments to every algorithm change, it's like a -a whack-a-mole game. Just post good stuff, connect with the people that you want to see it. And I don't know, am I missing something else, Monique? No, you are spot on because (laughs) trying to keep up with all the changes, you'll go crazy. (laughs) (laughs) You just have to have a good system. And then the other thing that I didn't consider in the past was cleaning out your network. That was something that I learned from talking to people. Yes. So what's that? Can you elaborate on that? So I learned through one of my connections about, you know, cleaning up my network. So there was this tool that she used to get, well, I don't want to say get rid of, but to remove, (laughs) Uh (laughs) to remove people who were not active. And she had her own criteria. So she did it from using dates and certain other Mm -hmm. points that were necessary for her. But in doing so, she removed, I think about 7,000 people, which just helped to feed the engagement for folks who would be able to see her posts within her network. And that never occurred to me before. Mm. Like, what? Mm -hmm. Remove people from my network? (laughs) Yeah, because everyone seems to think it's all about the numbers and number of followers. And, you know, that's probably not the same effective way of doing it anymore, just ramping up the numbers. Exactly. And a lot of people have done that. Those were things that I learned in these online communities, Monique, I was shocked. I was like, really? Okay. So just get a whole bunch of people because perception, I I wrote a post about this. Perception is so important and it doesn't matter if there are thousands and thousands of people following. I think it's different now because people have become more aware, but Many years ago, several years ago, just looking at someone who has had a 60,000, 70,000, 80,000, it creates this psychological impression that, wow, there's so many people following this person. Then, you know, it just creates the illusion that what they're saying is so timely and relevant. And then Mm -hmm. you get down into the content and you see so much fluffy Mm -hmm. stuff. Wow. Wow. Okay. So even down to those numbers, right? There, there was a post this weekend that I was just like, what? I heard, and I already know how influencer marketing works, where people pay other people to post about them or tag about them or their business. And through that way, they kind of transfer their brand and people follow and they get more followers that way. And people charge for that. Like, I know that's one of the tactics my clients have been using for like nine years now. We used to do it for them on Instagram, but on LinkedIn, what I found out was that people who are quote unquote advisors, not real advisors, but advisors to some of these startups were only advisor in 
the name of doing posts for them and giving them visibility. And that was just so shallow to me. Oh, so I hate to be, yeah, I'm judging you. I'm judging, <laughs> sorry, I'm judging you. But do you see that to be something that is in the communities that you're in that's kind of an acceptable practice? No, I don't think it's acceptable. Oh, but good. I, I don't think it's acceptable. No, Monique. But I've seen so much that there's nothing that will shock me these days. Wow. <laughs> there's nothing. People will go to great lengths and, you know, whatever measures that they will go through to be seen as large. To It all depends on the goal. What are you on the platform for? Mm -hmm. You know, I had someone... I was considering her consulting company for LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And she told me that, you know, create three to four profiles and to use bots. And I was like, huh? And I was like, mm -hmm. what? I didn't know that was a common practice. And when I saw some of the testimonials from people that had worked with her, I realized that that was a practice that was being used. But obviously I did not sign up because that doesn't go in line with how I choose to do do my business. But I mean, hey, no shade to them. That's what they're doing. But I didn't know that it was common for people to just create three and four accounts to, you know, if one got banned because they were going against the rule, just pick up with the other. And, you know, it's all about getting those business leads. It's all about getting those numbers. And that's just not an approach that I took or would take. So. would take. so it was kind of a mistake how I found out that was happening. So one of the folks, I guess most people on LinkedIn would consider an influencer because she has so many followers, right? And she's actually connected to me. I don't think she had that many followers when we connected a long time ago, but you know, that was, that's been her goal, right? And so I got a message from her. It was her picture. It was her everything. And I was like, wait, this is different than, so I messaged her to say, hey, you know, is, is, did someone like, is someone, you know, kind of, you know, spamming your account like or something? <laughs> yeah. Like, have you been hacked? Because I got a message from here and it looks just like this one. And she's like, no, that's me. It was just <laughs> like, okay, no, I don't want to buy your $49 course. But thanks for sending it then. And now I know to ignore everything mm -hmm. sent from you. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And so I know people got to do what they got to do, but it just comes off as very spammy when it's done that way. And so it kind of, my radar goes up. Same here. I just hit block, remove, block, delete. Yep. Yep. Me too. So you actually did a post today about perception and you said many people like to say perception doesn't matter. Just be yourself, just show up how you want. But you don't believe that, right? Because you said it does matter, right? I wanted you to elaborate more on that because, you know, the audience isn't reading your post right now. So I want to kind of give them that lived experience and just in case they were seeing it today. Yeah, perception. I mean, because... We are in an age where people feel like showing up, I have air quotes now, showing up however they want means that they don't have to be mindful of the audience and the environment that they're in. The whole aspect I find when people are using these terms or making this phrase mm -hmm. is that they're saying it 
to give themselves an excuse or permission to not show up in accordance with business etiquette standards and also understanding the marketing visual piece, the delivery piece of the transaction. So let's say, for example, and I'm talking about public speaking, some people feel like, okay, the perception doesn't matter. All I need to do is show up and tell my story. And that's it. Like I have a great story to tell. And you do, you have a great story. But if you don't understand that how people perceive you as a professional speaker, meaning if you don't have the assets, if you don't have the right photos or your video reel so people can at least be able to get a taste of how you deliver or what you can share, there are certain key things that let people in the industry know, okay, this person can be taken seriously. And if you don't have that, you're going to have a difficult time just getting in the door. Then when you talk about just sharing your story, well, yeah, but what part of your story is going to help you get the business result that you need? If you are just looking to share, you could go on YouTube and LinkedIn Live, Facebook Live, Instagram Live, if you just want to share and get that message out. So let's take a moment to thank our biggest sponsor of this podcast, TPM Focus, a strategy and execution consulting firm focused on generating revenue and finding product market fit for startups and small to medium-sized companies that are launching a new innovation or entering a new market. In a nutshell, if you're launching a new innovation or into a new market, we'll align your technology, marketing, sales, and customer success with your financial goals to ensure your company makes money while finding and solidifying your place in the market. Head over to tpmfocus.com to see testimonials and reach out if you'd like to work with us. But from a business standpoint, no, you can't just do it however you want. You have to take into consideration the industry. You have to take into consideration what is the current focus. For example, if you're all about inspiration and motivation and you, the focus in the industry is about workshop style speeches or presentations and you say, okay, all I need to do is do the feel good rah-rah then you are perceived as someone who's out of touch with reality, out of touch with trends, and then it impacts your business and your bottom line. That's so interesting to see like the tide turn because I remember when live streaming first started becoming a thing, like from that, people started calling themselves public speakers and and like booking things and being motivational. There would be motivational folks on like Periscope and all that. And they were able early on to build a business from that. But it sounds like now the tides are turning and you need to really be in alignment with the business that's asking you to speak. Yeah, your story is interesting, but what is the business outcome that we have for this event? And can you do that? Is that yes, what you're saying is happening? That, that's precisely. I still feel as though there's a place for motivation and inspirational speaking. I just see that a lot of folks are asking for things that are more tangible and outcome driven because I mean let's just face it people can access a lot of motivation and inspiration online yeah that's true on YouTube uh, here's the thing people are counting on you and I are we're observers of people and I think that's what you're an awesome communicator that no wonder your business is what it is you're an awesome communicator 
I'm an observer. I don't necessarily communicate, right? I observe. I have my thoughts, but I don't always communicate them. And so, so here's the thing. I see a lot of people use their brand. So we're LinkedIn numbers to this conversation. So if I raise my brand, the number of people who follow me, then I could just use that as kind of like social proof. And from there, you know, people feel like, They want to meet me like I'm kind of this mini celebrity kind of thing. And that is what they sell is that kind of brand and people wanting to meet them to book, you know, speaking engagements and things like that. And still no one is kind of holding their foot to the fire for substance. So it's all these little different business models that I see where it's like, huh, I've seen it fizzle out for folks. It's not sustainable. That's the piece. It it works. I'll say it works, especially because there are so many people that don't understand how that part of the game works or even how LinkedIn and algorithm. There are a lot of people that don't. They just don't. I think we understand it because we're in it more. But for the folks that are, you know, just general using the platforms and they do come across all those numbers, it does create that illusion. People use that. They get fake followers. I've had several people approach me for fake followers. But for the keen person, the person that's keen, they will go and take a look and see what type of people are following or they'll look and see, okay, what type of engagement are you receiving? But I've seen it work where people have, even just yesterday, I heard someone who was touting the fact that this individual had 59,000 followers. So that should be more than enough to tell you he knows what he's talking about. And in my head, I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, no. (laughs) Just because he has 59,000 followers. And here's the thing. In some of those online communities that I were in, some of the folks had more than that. I mean, extremely much more than that. And to be in those spaces and observe, like you say, how, you know, people would respond to them to observe the lies that they would share in their post to see it firsthand just gave me all the confirmation that I need. It's so disappointing when I see it, but I know it when I see it. And I'm just like, I don't engage on the post because people see you as, you know, you're kind of co-signing that. And they're like, oh, Monique supports this person. I had someone do that to me like I don't know, maybe like a month ago. And someone that knows me was like, oh, you know, and tagged me on something with this person's post. And I was like, don't do that. (laughs) Don't tag me. I don't mess with them like that. And it's like, oh, but I saw you say something on one of their posts before. I'm like, yeah, in disagreement. And I was like, you know what? That taught me that even when I disagree, when it's someone that has those type of, you know, for me, shenanigans, I just don't engage at all because then it gets my audience looking at that, even though I disagree. And I was like, oh, no, no. And so that that taught me a lesson. And I hope you guys that are listening will take some clues from this and kind of readjust your strategy. But is that what you found as well? Like you you just try to engage on, oh, I don't know. I don't want to just engage on things I agree with, but I don't want to engage with people that I just don't want to, I don't want to encourage my audience to, follow their content, which is not of substance. Yes, that's precisely it too. I feel the same way. And I mean, I like going on LinkedIn, especially when the topics are things that I'm learning something new about, or like you said, 
disagreeing with because I love the discourse. I love to see how people think. And then sometimes I get my perspective challenged and I'm like, oh, okay. And think about that. Never thought that uh, <laughs> yeah. before. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I just wish there was a way I could just <laughs> filter out everything because <laughs> you it's like you're wading through it's like a big ocean and there's so much seaweed over here and you have to wade through to get to the clear blue water you know so I just wish there was a way to get rid of all the seaweed quickly and efficiently right <laughs> yeah. right well one one of the things that's in your profile that you mentioned is that you're of course a leadership speaker you're a coach and you have expertise in emotional intelligence. Let me ask you this. When you have emotional intelligence, does it also mean that you have like a certain level of discernment about people or are those two different things? It's, it's a part of it because, okay. yeah, if you look at it, I mean, the real core is rooted in self-awareness. And when you are aware, when you're self-aware, you're not only just aware of how you are perceiving things or how your thoughts are being formed from your exposures, but then you develop that sense of discernment or intuition in terms of how you are interacting with other people as well. So it's definitely a huge component in emotional intelligence. And everybody has emotional intelligence. We all just have different levels in each of the categories. Everybody has a certain level of self-awareness. They have that cer certain level of emotional control or self-management. It's just that they have that different level of connecting with others or being able to read the room or have social cues, be in social situations where they can use their influence to go connect with someone and then lead them to a different decision or a path or, you know, have a connection. So everybody has it. We just have it at different levels. We can harness it. We can nurture it, but it's rooted in us really understanding more of ourselves. Monique is an entrepreneur and her company is called Clear Communications Solutions. For your company, what is your primary emphasis when it comes to communications? What type of work do you do with individuals and with businesses? So with the companies that hire me to work with them, we do coaching for new leaders, for seasoned leaders who want to get better at connecting with their team, better at the delegation. A huge one that comes up with most people is time management. So that whole work-life balance piece and just helping them to get more aware of why they're choosing to do what they're doing, setting reasonable goals, and just helping to have that accountability system for them. This is what a lot of companies would hire me to do for their senior leaders or those that are coming from being an individual contributor to becoming a new manager. On the personal side, like the B2C side, a lot of women leaders and teams hire me when they want to take their credibility. They're already credible. They have this experience. They've, you know, done a lot of great work, but it's that visibility piece that's missing and they want to use public speaking as their vehicle. So they will work with me to develop their story. They'll work with me to learn how to present more effectively, connect maybe with their leader or even expand for their clients. Mm -hmm. And then on the training side, companies will hire me when they want to bring me in for training workshops mm -hmm. and they want to offer emotional intelligence. They want to offer team building, team connecting workshops so that they are able to have more unity within their teams. So what in your 
background prepared you for this journey as an entrepreneur with clear communication? Everything prepared me for this. I left the beautiful islands of the Bahamas at 17 Mm -hmm. and I went off to school. And for the next immediate five years after that, I became a mom. And then I had my undergrad in broadcast journalism. And then I had two graduate degrees in advertising and public relations. So from a theoretical standpoint, all of the education that I have received was in the science of communication. And then shortly after school, I spent a number of years working in corporate America in Fortune 20 companies supporting executives, helping them to make decisions learning how to connect with their employees, teaching also at four institutions of higher education in the science of communications, and then also speaking at nonprofit events, started freelancing. Hmm. That was my side hustle at first, you know, freelancing. And so all of the speaking and training and coaching has helped me to deliver what I deliver today with ease and excellence. And then when I added the business owner hat on, that just took it to a new level because I had never considered adding actual coaching to the offering. And I added coaching and then that just prepared me as well. When you first went to college, when you first came from the Bahamas here, what did you think you wanted to do in your career? Like, why did you study broadcast journalism? Because I was supposed to be on TV, Monique. Oh, <laughs> you were going to be okay. I was supposed to be on TV. It's still, you still have aspirations for that? Well, I'm on TV now. It's just on, on digital TV. Yeah, right? that's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was Are. supposed to be on TV. I was supposed to be covering all of the hard stories that people didn't want to cover, the investigative reporting. You know, I had a stint in the Bahamas that I did. I had a stint in Minnesota that I did investigating stories that people didn't want to talk about. And I think that's also part of what makes me effective today because I look for what is not on the surface, you know, yeah. to go ahead and dig in and really get the meat of the story. That didn't take off. Me being on the big screen on CNN and being the international reporter didn't take off, but I am very much a journalist today, writing, sharing columns in different publications mm-hmm. and also in the practice that I am doing right now with coaching. Well, I also saw that in your realm of writing that you recently released the book. Yes. Yes. Congratulations. Motherhood. Intentional motherhood. Yes. Who said it would be easy? Hey, no one told me that. I thought, you know what? You know who said it would be easy? We told ourselves that because (laughs) all we saw was from the outside, you know, other people. Oh, that looks like it's fun. I could do that. So tell me a little bit about what inspired that book and who would you say it's most meant for to have an impact on? Yes. So what inspired the book is because a lot of people in my family, cousins, aunts, and then even friends and some of my clients, I would often have the same types of conversations where I would talk about motherhood because I started motherhood very early. But in my journey of motherhood, I didn't see it as a handicap. I saw it as, you know, just me becoming a mom. I was actually doing a lot of different things. And it was so funny because the other day I was looking through some old paperwork and I saw notes that my professors wrote. And when I read the notes and I saw how they were outlining how my son was all on campus or 
things that I was doing, I was like, wow, I didn't even think about how much impact was being made simply because I didn't choose to hide, but I was literally um, everywhere with him. And at one point, he was even featured on the cover of one of the Department of Education's magazine. Oh, wow. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just so <laughs> phenomenal. But the book is for, I wrote it because I wanted to leave a legacy for my grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and to how I view motherhood and how I view relationships, how I view leadership, and how I view connections with our fathers. Because I have a whole chapter on my relationship with my father in that book. And I really wanted to leave this legacy because a lot of times we don't have these types of conversations with each other. And the conversations we have are typically, you know, do what you need to do to be a good wife and be a good, you don't plan for the motherhood identity the way you would plan for going to college or plan for going on a vacation. And I wanted to challenge the status quo and let the women around me and in my family know that, hey, you can create this identity. You don't have to feel guilty if you can't take on 8,000 mountains and still feel like you need to perform. And I think that's where the pressure comes from. So then I give tactical tools and tips on, you know, batching and using your village and having family meetings and how to really have conversations that need to be had. Don't wait for the sex and the drugs conversations. <laughs> Don't wait for the future planning and who's going to take care of who when your parents get older, you know, you know, don't wait for those types of conversations, but to lean into them by building practices now when they're younger. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm getting that book today. You hear me? When you especially <laughs> when you said tactical stuff, I'm like, yes. I was just having a conversation with my kids this past weekend because I'm like, okay, you're gonna cut back on some of these extracurricular things and get but really focus on your grades. Like, you know, I see some things slipping here. And of course, there's some attitude and there's some eye rolling. And all this and that. And uh, after a day of that, well, you know, the rest of the evening was that way. The next day, you know, they still kind of had their attitude and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know what? Listen, y'all. Giving that type of effort to showing us you're upset with us. You should be giving that energy into the work and the things that you need to do. Because you being upset does not stop us from parenting. Like everything that we're doing is, of course, every parent says this for your own good, right? But they see us and we've always said, we're your coaches. So when you're out on the field and your coach is saying, no, go this way, don't go that way, go this way. I'm like, that's the same thing we do. And they're like, yeah, that's true. I'm like, we're your coaches. So we're not going to stop parenting you because you, you're trying to give us an attitude or you don't like it or, you know, you're going to cry about it. I'm like, if we fell into that, you would be sitting at that table right now with a binky and a diaper on because we had to take away the binky. You cry, whatever. We had to force you to potty train. You cry, whatever. Like we've been at this game for over a decade. So <laughs> we're used to you being upset with us parenting and you not necessarily liking it, but you like the outcome of it in the end. And it's not going to stop us from loving you, from doing vacations with you, from still engaging with you. Like you're not going to be able to push us away. I love that. Absolutely. I love it. And not being afraid, like you say, to be upset, to, to have them become upset. That's a healthy emotion. 
oh my goodness, if the child is simply just following everything without expressing discontentment, then you have a robot. You don't have a child. You just have someone who's growing up to be compliant with everything and not share their opinion. So where else are they going to practice when they have disagreements if they can't do it in the home? Then when they get in the job, they're not used to having disagreements or they're not used to, you know, working through their emotions. Yeah, they may want to retreat for a little bit. That's fine. But we're still going to have continued conversation. Right, right, right. I have to get that book. So Intentional Motherhood, you all. Where's it available? It's on Amazon.com. Okay. Intentional Motherhood. And I'm also going to link it to the show notes, you guys, and link you to Monique's profile and the company, Clear Communications Solutions. Monique, as always, it's such a pleasure and it's so refreshing talking to you. You have such a, you you actually do have such a relaxing voice. Like it should be, I'm glad you have a podcast, but you should be on TV. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't turn it down. Let's just say that it, when the opportunity comes, because it's been written in the universe, right? Was planted when I was in high school. So when it comes, we'll be ready. I will enjoy it. Oh man, I look forward to it. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure, Monique. That's a wrap. Now you have the option to text me any question that you have about your business, about career, and I will answer it on the show. So just go to unpolishedmba.com forward slash text. And from there, you'll be able to text anytime, any question, and I'll answer it on the air. Thank you for listening to the Unpolished MBA podcast. To hear more episodes or to request to become a guest, please visit unpolishedmba.com.